Editing Francis here. I have a friend who has worked in the radio biz and currently does podcasting professionally for his job that he gets paid for. And he gave me a few tips uh, last week to help improve the sound of the podcast. And um, it didn't quite work out as planned. So this podcast episode does not sound super great. But I'm, I'm working, I'm learning, and we'll figure it out. And I apologize. So does John um, for the shitty audio this week. Thanks. Hello there and happy Tuesday. My name is Francis and I love music. Love it. And movies. Movies and music. And the music used in movies. And TV. I'm the friend who notices the music used in the media constantly to the point that my friends think of me immediately if and when they notice it themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to my podcast, Needle Drops That Will Change Your Life. What is a needle drop? I'm glad you asked. Wikipedia defines a needle drop as the use of an existing recording rather than an original score in a film. I'd also add television or honestly any other form of media, video games, movie trailers, and more. For example, any of the songs I discuss on this very podcast. Why should you care about my thoughts on needle drops? Well, I'm a super great person, obviously. But other than that, being a music supervisor is my dream job. But I'm stuck in Texas where there aren't a ton of opportunities for me to get into that industry. So I'm dipping my toe into the world of podcasting to discuss the incredible work that music supervisors do. What do they do exactly? Well, let me tell you. According to the Berklee College of Music, music supervisors artfully select and license pre-existing songs and recordings for use in movies, television shows, and video games. Today we're exploring a rundown Boston mall with our bestie and discussing episode 7 of HBO's adaptation of The Last of Us. Some spoilers ahead if you haven't seen season 1 of The Last of Us, or played the DLC, Left Behind, or watched a playthrough of any of the game or the DLC. Proceed with caution if you've somehow avoided The Last of Us in all formats. The Last of Us is a hit TV show on HBO that concluded its first season in March 2023. It is based on the hit 2013 game of the same name, which takes place during a global pandemic based on cordyceps that take over the body and turn people into living mushroom zombie-like creatures. Episode 7, Left Behind, incorporates the DLC downloadable content of the same name into the first season of the show, explaining how Ellie got bit. So we've already kind of discussed our music supervisors, uh, Evan and Ian, in past episodes of this little series on The Last of Us. Um, but as a refresher, Evan Clean is the is a music supervisor at Neophonic, which is a premium supervision company based in LA. Evan actually founded Neophonic in 1980. Evan and the team at Neophonic have had the pleasure of consulting for HBO for over 24 years, working with dozens of award-winning directors, producers, composers, as well as producing music with a countless number of musical artists. Evan is the music supervisor for several HBO shows, including The Last of Us, House of the Dragon, and Euphoria, among many other credits. He's best known for production on the HBO film Bessie, starring Queen Latifah, for which he won a primetime Emmy for outstanding sound mixing for a limited series or movie. 
Obviously, he is an Emmy winner and also a seven-time Guild of Music Supervisor Award winner, as well as a five-time Hollywood Music and Media Award nominee. Ian Burchek is the other music supervisor. Prior to his career as a music supervisor, Ian worked for top independent record labels, including Exclamation K7 Records, Modular Recordings, and DFA Records. Ian also has experience in event production and promotion, including three tours with LCD Sound System, and he holds a degree in music business from the Steinhardt School at New York U- University. He began his career at Relativity Media, where he served as director of music and soundtracks, overseeing the musical process from script to screen and managing the development and distribution of scores and soundtracks. He then went on to build a successful career freelancing, handling music supervision and clearances. He now works at Neophonic with Evan. He has been the music supervisor for Peacemaker and The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. He has previously been a music coordinator for Mirror Mirror and Limitless. And in 2022, he was a nominee from the Guild of Music Supervisors for Best Music Supervision in a docu-series for Amend the Fight for America on Netflix. Today we are talking about Take On Me by AHA, a Norwegian synth-pop band. The original version was recorded in 1984 and released in October that same year. This release peaked at number three in Norway but failed to reach audiences anywhere else. The original 1984 version of Take On Me failed to chart in the UK, as did the second version in the first of two 1985 releases. So we're looking at three recordings of this one song. The second of those 1985 releases charted in September 1985, reaching number two on the UK singles chart in October In the U.S., in October 1985, the single topped Billboard's Hot 100, bolstered by the wide exposure on MTV of director Steve Barron's innovative music video featuring the band in a live-action pencil sketch animation sequence. I highly recommend watching this video. It's super cool. You can find it in the show notes. The video won six awards and was nominated for two others at the 1986 MTV Video Music Awards. The band... Rush to release Take On Me is a single in the UK, but the single only charted at 137, which is the lowest charted of all AHA songs. This was the first recording that we're discussing. Um, After this, Warner Brothers' main office in the US decided to invest in the band and give them the opportunity to re-record the song. So this is where we get into the second and third recording. Steve Barron directed a revolutionary rotoscoping animation music video, which took six months to create using professional artists. The single was released in the U.S. one month after the music video and immediately appeared in the Billboard Hot 100 and was a worldwide smash reaching number one in numerous countries. It remained on the chart for 27 weeks and ranked 10 in the 1985 year-end chart. Take On Me was released for the third time in the UK in September 1985. The record debuted on the UK singles chart at number 55 and in late October reached number two where it remained for three consecutive weeks. In Norway, AHA's native country, Take On Me re-entered the VG Lista, Lista singles chart reaching a new peak of number one a year after it was first released. 
The single was largely successful elsewhere, reaching the top of the Euro chart Hot 100 for nine weeks, topped the singles charts in 26 countries, including Austria, Belgium, Germany, Italy, the Netherlands, Sweden, and Switzerland. And it reached top three in France and number two in Ireland. Morton Harkett, lead singer of AHA, demonstrates a vocal range of over two and a half octaves in the song, and Rolling Stone has thus noted the song as, quote, having one of the hardest to sing choruses in pop history. The music video has received more than 1.7 billion with a B views and more than 9.9 million likes on YouTube. So who are the characters in the show? Again, I just want to reiterate that I am offering my support to both the Writers Guild and SAG-AFTRA in their strikes. The terms that the studios expect of both um, unions is pretty wild, uh, specifically the use of AI. Um, and so I really hope that all parties can come to an agreement soon. However, I stand with the writers and the actors and uh, UPS, who may be going on strike as well, you know, get that AC in those trucks, people. That's crazy. I live in Texas. I don't know how our UPS drivers are handling it. Anyway, so back to um, supporting strikers. Yes. On to characters in the show. Joel is once again played by Pedro Pascal. He's traveling with teenage girl Ellie out west in search of the fireflies. Uh, which is a rebel group who are supposedly researching a cure for the cordyceps virus. Ellie is played by Bella Ramsey. She's a teenage girl who appears to be immune from the cordyceps virus and is out west with Joel looking for the fireflies who have been said to be working on a cure, a vaccine, something for the cordyceps virus so that the world can return to normal at some point. Riley is played... Brilliantly by Storm Reed. She is Ellie's best friend and former roommate at Fedra School. She recently defected from Fedra and joined the Fireflies. Storm Reed's performance is so perfect, and she is on the list of nominees for Guest Actress Emmy. So we congratulate her, and I don't know how they're going to decide who's getting that Guest Actor Emmy and that Guest Actress Emmy because it's full of the last of us people and they all deserve it so what do we know uh, about the characters to that point to the point in their story that the needle drop occurs from imdb the synopsis of the episode is based on the last of us dlc left behind is set three weeks before ellie meets joel and follows the origin of her bite Alongside her best friend Riley in an abandoned mall in Boston, the two are dealt with conflicting emotions, and a new side to Ellie comes to light, beat by beat. Following a fight in episode 6, in which Joel is stabbed by an assailant, which is different from the game, the game is a lot more gruesome, so we'll take the stab wound, uh, Ellie is now in the caretaker role for our duo. Ellie leaves Joel in the basement of a house, she found on the road to go in search of supplies to help Joel recover from his stab wound. In the game, we get a little bit different story. Ellie goes into an abandoned mall to look for supplies. In this episode, she just is frantically searching the house. Here's where we flash back in time. 
We see Ellie in Fedra school. Looks like she's at PE. They're like running laps in gym. Uh, she gets in a fight with a bully. And Ellie's best friend Riley used to help stand up to the bullies, but has gone MIA after leaving to join the Fireflies. The Fedra officer in charge of the school, kind of the principal, he sees potential in Ellie and asks her to quit getting into trouble so she can become an officer in the future. That night, Riley sneaks into the room and offers Ellie the adventure of a lifetime, breaking into an old mall in the Boston QZ. You're a firefly? Jesus. I told you I'd fucking do it. Talking about liberating the QZ is not the same as... Fuck, where did you even go? Slow down, slow down. I will tell you everything. First, you have to promise me something sort of crazy, and you're going to say no, but then you have to say yes. Come with me for a few hours and have the best night of your life. No. Okay, now say yes. I'm not going anywhere with you. It's great. It's 2 a.m. In a few hours, I have drills where we learn to kill fireflies. Get dressed. Initially expressing her anger that Riley abandoned her, Ellie agrees to go on the adventure with Riley. When they arrive at the mall, Riley gets the electricity turned on and the mall lights up before Ellie's eyes, which is delightful. Uh, Riley promises to show Ellie the four wonders of the mall, later five, and this starts an adventure looking at the escalator or moving stairs, the merry-go-round or the magic horse, the photo booth or a time machine, and the arcade, the most beautiful thing Ellie has ever seen. And last, I'm assuming that the Halloween store was one of these wonders as well. No way. 
After riding the escalators up and down, as Take On Me plays over the scene, Ellie and Riley head to the merry-go-round for a quick ride. The song playing on the merry-go-round is none other than like a music box twinkly version of Take On Me. It's a really, really cute scene. From the merry-go-round, the pair head to a photo booth and take a series of goofy photos, only to have them faintly printed with 20-year-old ink. Honestly shocked that anything came out of that machine. The girls then head to the arcade and play a few rounds of Mortal Kombat 2, which we briefly saw in episode 3 at Joel's Cache. Riley tells Ellie she has a gift for her and takes her to where she's been staying to gift her the second in a series of pun books from which Ellie reads to Joel throughout the series. 
Ellie sees that Riley has a stash of bombs in her sleeping quarters and gets upset with her and storms off. Before she storms off, Riley tells her that it's her last night in Boston and she is being shipped off to a Firefly base in Atlanta. Ellie returns shortly after to find Riley and they go to a Halloween store in the mall. Insert spirit Halloween joke here because it is post-apocalyptic. There's nothing going on in this mall except this Halloween store. After a plea not to leave Boston, some dancing and an awkward kiss, an infected chase the pair throughout the store before Ellie stabs it in the head with her knife, ending the fight, but revealing each girl has been bitten and will, will become infected. in anger, complete rage, and smashes everything in the store while Riley quietly resigns herself to her fate, sitting down in front of the store's main display. Ellie joins Riley and they discuss their options. Take the easy way out or wait it out and go mad together because any small amount of time left together is worth fighting for. We flash to the present as Ellie is frantically searching the kitchen upstairs in the house. She finds a needle and thread and goes back down to the basement to stitch Joel up. So how does the song relate to our characters in our story? Take On Me was actually used in the initial trailer for The Last of Us in December, um, but after a few days was removed and a new version of the trailer was uploaded with like more generic music.
first episode talking about the music from The Last of Us. We talked about how 80s music means trouble, and that is no different here in this episode. AHA's song Take On Me is used as Ellie discovers the escalator. Collider's Julio Bardini observed the lyrics reflected Ellie and Riley's feelings toward each other. Bardini wrote later that the lyrics illustrated Ellie's journey after discovering her immunity. First one. collider article this first verse represents how ellie and riley feel about one another they're clearly best friends but is there something more bubbling beneath the surface for both of them chorus that this is Riley's last night in Boston and she's chosen to spend it with Ellie. From what we've learned about the infected throughout the season, it's also likely how the pair feels as they realize they're both bitten and will be infected likely sooner or later. Their lives are effectively over, but also because clickers usually don't live much past a week or so. Verse 2. lyrics reference Ellie learning about her immunity after being bitten and rescued by the fireflies. They also represent Ellie learning to lean on Joel for support and the friendship that blossoms from their journey across the U.S. Verse 3. like it's from Joel's perspective in my opinion. Ellie puts up a tough front. She's surely lived a difficult life to this point, but as we've seen, Joel has a hard time not comparing her to Sarah, his daughter. I also think it could be Ellie's perspective too, especially in the final scene of the season when Joel and Ellie return to Wyoming from the hospital in Salt Lake City. There are a couple other needle drops in this episode that I wanted to discuss because um, they were a point of discussion in the official Last of Us podcast. 
So in that podcast, Neil Druckmann, who is the creator of the video game and co-showrunner, along with Craig Mazin, the showrunner, and Troy Baker, who plays Joel in the video game, they discussed how music was used in this episode. As Ellie runs in PE class at Fedra School, Druckmann chose the song All or None by Pearl Jam as it represented Ellie's loneliness and uncomfortability, and the title reflected her general attitude in life. The inclusion of the Rockabye Baby version of Just Like Heaven was a suggestion of co-editor Timothy A. Good, who had been wanting to use it for some time. An Etta James version of I Got You, Babe, which played as Ellie and Riley danced in the episode, was reused from the game. Druckmann felt the song's romantic lyrics, hidden by joyous music, mirrored the feelings of Ellie and Riley. Other songs I think could have been used... I think uh, This Must Be the Place, Naive Melody by the Talking Heads would be a really great option. Obviously, the Talking Heads are a new wave band. This Must Be the Place is the closing track of their fifth studio album, Speaking in Tongues, and it was released in November 1983 as the second and final studio single from the album. Band frontman David Byrne intended the song to be a love song without the cliches of the genre. In the, quote, self-interview on the DVD of the concept film Stop Making Sense, Burns states that it is a love song, a topic he tends to avoid because it's, quote, kind of big. In 2014, Pitchfork ranked the song at number 22 in their list of the 200 best songs of the 1980s. In 2021, it was listed at number 123 on Rolling Stone's top 500 greatest hits of all time. First one. As an orphan, Ellie really has no home, so she finds home in the people she loves. After a few weeks of being alone at Fedra school, Ellie misses her friend Riley. Riley surprises her by breaking into her dorm room and takes her on an adventure. For a few hours, Ellie and Riley are normal teenagers, like pre-apocalypse normal teenagers, living their best lives at the mall. Verse three and more... Riley's relationship is home for each other. The mall becomes their home as well. It also unfortunately becomes Riley's resting place after they're bitten and Riley becomes infected.
out of all the people in Fedra school, these two became roommates and best friends. In a post-apocalyptic world with broken lines of communication and small fascist governments running things, it would be very easy to feel scared like kind of a feral animal. These two found each other and found homes within each other's presence. Riley presents the pair with two options after the bites. The easy way out or waiting and going mad together, loving each other until they're dead. What else has Take On Me been used for or covered? In 1998, ska punk band Real Big Fish covered Take On Me for the film Basketball. In August 2000, British Norwegian boy band A1 released a cover of Take On Me for their second studio album, The A-List. It was commercially successful and topped the charts in the UK and Norway. In August 2015, fellow Norwegian musician Kygo released a remixed version via iTunes to help promote the rollout of Apple Music. A cover by D.A. Wallach was featured in the film La La Land in 2016. American rock band Weezer included a cover version of the song in their 2019 covers compilation, The Teal Album. The cover version was also used in the closing scene of the Spongebob movie, Sponge on the Run, wherein Bikini Bottom was turned into a, quote, sea snail refuge. Upon release, the song Blinding Lights by The Weeknd was frequently compared to Take On Me, including by both The Weeknd and Morton Harkett himself, though the song contains no direct samples or cover elements. The song Feel This Moment by Pitbull and Christina Aguilera samples the instrumental riff of Take On Me. The debut single of K-pop boy group Zero Base One in Bloom samples Take On Me. And perhaps most importantly to our story, and spoiler kind of here, but not really, I'm not going to get too far into it, Take On Me is sung by Ellie while playing guitar in the Last of Us Part 2 video game, which was released in 2020. How did the needle drop affect the song? In February 2023, Take On Me earned 15.1 million official on-demand U.S. streams and 3,000 downloads, according to Luminate. It follows a pair of bows for the freshman show on the January 2023 survey, Linda Ronstadt's Long Long Time, at number five, and Depeche Mode's Never Let Me Down Again at number seven. It is one of four songs from The Last of Us to reach the February 2023 tally. Agnes Obel's Feel to Fire from Episode 5 on February 12th led the group, hitting number 5 for 378,000 streams and 1,000 downloads. That's all for today. Join me next time when I geek out over another needle drop. Leave a rating and review if you are so inclined, and let me know what song you'd want a twinkly version of to play while you ride a merry-go-round in an abandoned mall with your bestie slash crush. If you're listening on Spotify, be sure to answer the question at the end of the podcast. You can also visit my podcast page on Spotify, link in the show notes, and leave me a voice message. Don't forget to follow the podcast on Instagram at Needle Drops Podcast, and we also have a TikTok now at Needle Drops Podcast, although there is still no content there. This podcast is hosted, produced, and edited by me, Francis. Social media support also provided by me. Thank you for listening, and please don't forget to share needle drops that will change your life with someone in your life that you think would appreciate it. 
If you are feeling extra generous, I'd love it if you would leave me a rating and review on whichever podcast platform you prefer. Word of mouth really, really, really helps. See you next time. If you made it all the way to the end of this shitty, shitty audio episode, I just wanted to thank you one more time for being patient as I learn how to use audio software and this microphone properly and take advice from people who know how to do things properly. Um, Yeah, I really, really appreciate it and I will see you next time.